Hi, this is Joe, and welcome to a Wednesday early evening edition of the Celebrity Tribute. Uh, it's a little later in the week, and uh, I know I've been uh, out of work uh, for this portion of the week, but um, I figured it would be appropriate to get a Celebrity Tribute out. I was going to do one on the late Martin Luther King Jr., um, like a Monday, Tuesday, but just never got around to doing it. Uh, so I figured I would get one out today. Uh, so we're going to look at the late political activist Martin Luther King Jr. I have the pleasure to present to you Dr. Martin Luther King, they are. demonstration for freedom in the history of our nation. Five score years ago, a great American in whose symbolic shadow we stand today signed the Emancipation Proclamation. This momentous decree came as a great beacon light of hope to millions of Negro slaves who had been seared in the flames of withering injustice. It came as a joyous daybreak to end the long night of their captivity. But 100 years later, the Negro still is not free. 100 years later, the life of the Negro is still sadly crippled by the manacles of segregation and the chains of discrimination. 100 years later, the Negro lives on a lonely island of poverty in the midst of a vast ocean of material prosperity, this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That is a speech uh, that he did um, on August 28th. 1963. Uh, looks to be it was done in uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, knowing the uh, the monuments uh, that I uh, saw on the uh, YouTube video. So let's take a look at, again, this uh, political figure. 
Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Again, as always, as I do for the celebrity tribute, not just necessarily just to actors, actresses, although I, I have talked a lot about them, whatnot, um, in the celebrity tribute. Um, I also look at also themes, um, political figures, uh, sports uh, players, um, and, and anything pertaining to uh, uh, a celebrity, whatnot. Uh, so let's take a look again at Mark, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., He was born um, Michael King Jr., January 15, 1929, uh, passed away on April 4th, 1968, was American Baptist minister and activist, became the most visible spokesman and leader in the American civil rights movement from 1955 until his assassination in the year 1968. King advanced civil rights through nonviolence and civil disobedience inspired by his Christian beliefs and the nonviolent activism of Mahama Gandhi, who was an Indian lawyer, anti-colonist, nationalist, and political atheist employed nonviolent residents to lead the successful campaign for India's independence from British rule. He was the son of an early civil rights activist minister, Martin Luther King Sr. Martin Luther King Sr., born in December 1899, passed away November 1984, was an African-American Baptist pastor, missionary, and an early figure in the civil rights movement. Again, he was the father, namesake of the civil rights leader, Martin Luther King Jr., Uh, going back to Martin Luther King Jr., he was born uh, Michael King Jr. on January 15, 1929, <clears throat> in Atlanta, Georgia. The second of three children to Michael King and Alberto King. King had an older sister, uh, Christine King Ferris, and a younger brother, Alfred Daniel A.D. King. King's maternal grandfather, Adam Daniel Williams, was a minister in the rural Georgia, moved to Atlanta in the year 1893, became pastor of the Ebenezer Baptist Church in the following year. Williams of African-Irish descent, Uh, Williams married Jeannie 
Salisti Parks. King Sr. was born to sharecroppers James Albert and Delia King of Stockbridge, Georgia. In his adolescent years, King Sr. left his parents' farm and walked to Atlanta where he attained a high school education, enrolled in Morehouse College to study for entry to the ministry. King Sr. and Alberta began dating in the year 1920 and married on November 25, 1926. Until uh, Jeannie's death in the year 1941, they lived together on the second floor of her parents' two-story Victoria house where King was born. At a childhood home, Martin Luther King and his two siblings would read aloud the Bible as instructed by their father. After dinner, dinners, their King's grandmother, Jeannie, whom he affectionately referred to as Mama, would tell lively stories from the Bible to her grandchildren. King's father would regularly use whippings to discipline his children. At times, King Sr. would have his children whip uh, each other. King's father later remarked, King was the most particular child whenever you whipped him. He'd stand there and the tears would run down and he'd never cry. But once King witnessed his brother A.D. emotionally upset his sister Christine, he took a telephone and knocked out A.D. with it. When he and his brothers were playing at home, A.D. slid from banister and hit uh, their grandmother, Jeannie, causing her to fall down. Unrepressive. King, believing her dead, blamed himself and attempted suicide by jumping from a second-story window. Upon hearing that his grandmother was alive, King rose and left the ground where he had fallen. It says King became friends with a white boy whose father owned a business across the street from his family home. September 1935, when the boys were about six years old, they started school. King had to attend school for black children, young street elementary school, while his close playmate went to a separate school for white children only. Soon afterwards, the parents of the white boy stopped allowing King to play with their son, stating to him, we are white and you are colored. When King relayed the happenings to his parents, they had a long discussion with him about the history of slavery and racism in America. Upon learning of the hatred, uh, violence, and oppression that black people had faced in the U.S., of course, they also face that today as well, too, in 2022, King would later state that he was determined to hate every white person. His parents instructed him that it was his Christian duty to love everyone.
During his adolescence, in his adolescence years, he initially felt resentment against whites due to the racial humiliation that he, his family, and his neighbors often had to endure in the segregated South. In the year 1942, when King was 40, was 13 years old, he became the youngest assistant manager of a newspaper delivery station for the Atlanta Journal. That year, King skipped the ninth grade and was enrolled in Booker T. Washington High School, where he maintained a B-plus average. The high school was the only one in the city for African-American students. It had been formed after local black leaders, including King's grandfather, Williams, urged the city government of Atlanta to create it. While King was brought up in the Baptist home, King grew skeptical of some Christianity claims as he entered adolescence. He began to question to the literist teaching preached at his father's church. At the age of 13, he denied the bodily resurrection of Jesus during Sunday school. King said that he found himself unable to identify with the emotional displays and gestures from congregants frequent at church and doubted if he would ever attain personal satisfaction from religion. He later stated at this point in his life, doubts began to spring forth unrettingly. In high school, King became known for his public speaking ability, the voice that had grown into an Orotund baritone. He processed to join the school's debate team. King continued to be most drawn to history and English and chose English and sociology to be his main subjects while at the school. King maintained an abundant of, of vocabulary. Said in the year 1944, in his junior year, King gave his first public speech during an oratorial contest sponsored by the improved, benevolent, and protective orders of Elks of the World in Dublin, Georgia. In his speech, he stated, Black America still wears chains. The finest uh, Negroes is at the mercy of the meanest white man. Even winners of our highest honors face the class color bar. King was selected as the winner of the contest. On his ride home to Atlanta by bus, he and his teacher were ordered by the driver to, to stand so that the white person could sit down. The driver of the bus called King a black son of a bitch. King initially refused, but complied after his teacher told him that he would be 
breaking the law if he did not allow the directions of the driver. As all the seats were occupied, he and his he and his teacher were forced to stand on the rest of the uh, drive back to Atlanta. Later, King wrote of the incident, saying, "That night will never leave my memory. It was the angriest I have been in my life." Said in the year 1951, King began doctoral studies in Semitic theology at Boston University. While pursuing doctoral studies, King worked as an assistant minister at Boston's historic 12th Baptist Church with William Hunter uh, Hels, uh, I guess Hester. Hester was an old friend of King's father and was an important influence on King. In Boston, King uh, befriended a small conrad of local ministers his age, sometimes guests pastored at their church, including Michael Haynes, associate pastor at 12 Baptist Church in Roxbury, and younger brother of jazz drummer Roy Haynes. The young man often held bowl sessions in their various apartments discussing theology, sermon style, and social issues. King attended philosophy classes at Harvard University as an adult student in 1952 into 1953. At the age of 25, in 1954, King was called as pastor of the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. King received his Ph.D. degree on June 5th, 1955, with a dissertation titled A Comparison of the Concepts of God in the Thinking of Paul Tilch and Henry Nelson Weimer. Paul Jonas Tilch was a German-American Christian ex-tenethlist philosopher and Lutheran Protestant theology who is widely regarded as one of the most influential theologians of the 12th century. And Henry Nelson Weyman was American philosopher and theologian. He became the most famous prominent of the theoentric naturalism in the empirical method in American theology and catalyzed the embrace of religion naturalism in the later part of the 20th century. While studying at Boston University, he asked a friend from Atlanta named Mary Powell, who was a student at the New England Conservative of Music, 
if she knew any nice Southern girls. Powell asked fellow student Coretta Scott if she was interested in meeting a Southern friend studying divinity. Scott was not interested in dating preachers, but eventually agreed to allow Martin to telephone her based on Powell's description and vouching. On their first phone call, King told Scott, I am like Napoleon at Waterloo before your charms, to which he replied, you haven't even met me. They went on out for dates in his green Chevy. After the second date, King was certain Scott possessed the qualities he sought in a wife. She had been an activist in Anatoch in undergrad, where Carol and Rod Serling were uh, schoolmates. Obviously, you've heard that name, Rod Serling. He was uh, the uh, commentator to uh, the Twilight Zone. Again, if that is the right Rod Serling, <laughs> um, but it seems like it's spelled properly. Says King and married Coretta Scott on June 18, 1953, on the lawn of her parents' house in the hometown of Hebacher, Alabama. Survived a knife attack in the year 1958. On September 20th, 1958, King was signing copies of his book, Stride Toward Freedom, in Blostein's department store in Harlem when he narrowly escaped death. A mentally ill black woman named Isola Curry who thought that King was conspiring against her with communities, stabbed him in the chest with a letter opener, after which nearly impinged on the Arota. King received first aid by police officers on that day. King underwent emergency surgery with three doctors, he remained hospitalized for several weeks. Curry was later found mentally incompetent to stand trial. March in Washington, 1963. King represented the CLL, the SCLC, which is the Southern Christian Leadership Conference, was among the leaders of the Big Six, civil rights organization who were instrumental in the organization of the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom 
which took place on August 28, 1963, in which I had also played that um, speech or partial of a speech that he did uh, in the beginning of the podcast. The other leaders and organizations comprising the big six were Royal uh, Wiccans from the National Association for Advancement of Colored People, Whitey Young, amongst others as well, too. Boynard Rustin, who was an African-American leader in social movements for the civil rights, socialism, nonviolence, and gay rights, open homosexually, support socialism, and his former tries to the Communist Party USA caused many white African-American leaders to demand King's distant himself from Rustin which King agreed to do. However, he did collaborate in the 1963 March on Washington, for which Rustin was the primary logistical and chastistic organizer. For King, the role was another which courted controversy since he was one of the key figures who acceded to the wishes of United States President John F. Kennedy in changing the focus of the march. Kennedy initially opposed the march outright because he was concerned it would negatively impact the drive for passage of civil rights legislation. However, the organizationers were firm that the march would proceed. With the march going forward, the Kennedys decided it was important to work to ensure its success. President Kennedy was concerned the turnout would be less than 100,000 people. Therefore, he enlisted the aid of additional church leaders and Walter Roofer, president of the United Automobile Workers, to help mobilize demonstrators, demonstrators for the cause. The march made specific demands an end to racial segregation in public schools, meaningful civil rights legislation, including a law prohibiting racial discrimination in employment protection of civil rights workers from the Bruce brutality, a two-minimum wage for all workers equivalent to $17 in 2020, and self-government for Washington, D.C., then governed by a congregational committee. Despite tensions, the march was a resounding success. More than a quarter of a million people of diverse ethnicities attended the event, sprawling from the steps of the Lincoln Memorial onto the National Mall around the reflecting pool. 
At the time, it was the largest gathering of protesters in Washington, D.C.'s history. It was that that King delivered a 17-minute speech, later known as I Have a Dream. In his speech, most famous passage for which he departed from his prepared texts, possibly at promoting of Mahish, Michelle Jackson, who was an American gospel singer, who shouted behind him, tell them about the dream. And King as well did. It is said that King was long opposed to American involvement in the Vietnam War, but at first avoided the topic in public speeches in order to avoid an inference with civil rights goals and criticism of President Johnson's policies might have created. At the urging of SCLC's former director of direct action and now the head of the Spring Mobilization Committee to end the uh, war in Vietnam, James Bevel, and inspired by the outspokenness of Muhammad Ali, King eventually agreed to publicly oppose the war as the opposition was growing amongst the American people. During an April 4th, 1967 appearance at the New York City's Riverside Church, exactly one year before his death, King delivered a speech titled Beyond Vietnam, A Time to Break Silence. He spoke strongly against the U.S. rules in the war, arguing that U.S. was in Vietnam to occupy it as an American colony and calling the U.S. government the greatest provider of violence in the world today. He connected uh, the war with economic injustice, arguing that the country needed serious moral change. He had said, A true revolution of values will soon look uneasy, on the glarity contrasts of poverty and wealth with righteous ignition that will look across the seas and see individual capitalists of the West investing huge sums of money in Asia, Africa, and South America, only to take the profits out with no concern for the social betterment of the countries and say, this is not just. The assassination in the aftermath. 
On March 29, 1968, King went to Memphis, Tennessee, in support of the Black Sanitary and Public Works employees who were represented by the American Federal of State, Country, and Municipal employees. The workers had been on strike since March 12th for higher wages and better treatment. In one incident, Black Street repairmen received pay for two hours when they were sent home because of bad weather, but white employees were paid for the full day. On April 3rd, King addressed a rally and delivered his I've been to the mountain top address and Mason Temple, the world headquarters of the Church of God and Christ. King's flight to Memphis had been delayed by a bomb threat against his plane. In the prospectic perlation of the last speech in his life, his reference to the bomb threat, King said the following. And when I got to Memphis, and some began to say the threats or talk about the threats that were out, what would happen to me from some of our sick white brothers? Well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. King was booked uh, in room 306 at the Lorraine Motel owned by Walter Bailey in Memphis. Ralph Bathory, who was the pre- uh, who was the present at the assassination, testified to the United States House Select Committee of Assassinations that King and his entourage stayed at room 306. So often that was known as the King of Bertha T. Sweet. According to Jesse Jackson, who was an American political activist who was present, King's last words on the balcony before his assassination was spoken to musician Ben Branch, who was American entrepreneur, jazz tenor saxophonist, and band leader, who was scheduled to perform that night at an event King was attending. Then make sure you play Take My Hand, Precious Lord, in the meeting tonight. Play it real pretty. King was fatally shot by James Earl Ray at 6.01 p.m. on Thursday, 4th, 1968, as he stood on the motel's second-floor balcony. The bullet entered through his right cheek, smashing his jaw, then traveled down his spinal cord before lodging into his shoulder. Bathony heard the shot from inside the motel room and ran to the balcony to find King on the floor. 
Jackson stated after the shooting that he cradled King's head as King lay on the balcony, but this account was dis distributed by other colleagues of King. Jackson later changed his statement to say that he had reached out for King. After the emergency chest surgery, King died at St. Joseph's Hospital at 7.05 p.m. According to biographer Taylor Branch, King's autopsy revealed that though only 39 years old, he had the heart of a 60-year-old, which Branch attributed to the stress of 13 years in the civil rights movement. King was initially interred in Southview Cemetery in South Atlanta, but in 1977, his remains were transferred to a tomb on the site of the Martin Luther King Jr. National Historical Park. says the assassination led to the nationwide wave of race riots in Washington, D.C., Chicago, Baltimore, Louisville, Kansas City, and dozens of other cities. President candidate Robert F. Kennedy was on his way to Indianapolis for a campaign rally when he was informed of King's death. He gave a short, improvised speech to the gatherings of supporters, informing them of the tragedy and urging them to continue King's ideal of nonviolence. Following day, he delivered a prepared response in Cleveland. At the time, President Lyndon B. Johnson tried to squell the riots by making several telephone calls to civil rights leaders, mayors, and governors across the United States and told politicians that they should warn the police against the unwanted use of force. But his efforts didn't work. I'm not getting through, Johnson told his aides. They're all holding up like generals in a dugout getting ready for a, to watch a war. Johnson declared April 7th a National Day of Mourning for the civil rights leader. Vice President Hubert Humphrey attended King's funeral on behalf of the president as well as there were fears that Johnson's presence might incite protests and perhaps violence. At his widow's request, King's last sermon at Ebenezer Baptist Church was played at the funeral.
Martin Luther King Day, as it became a holiday, uh, beginning in the year 1971, cities such as St. Louis, Missouri, and states established annual holidays to honor King. At the White House Rose Garden on November 2nd, 1983, the time President Ronald Reagan signed a bill creating a federal holiday to honor King. Observed for the first time on January 20th, 1986, is called Martin Luther King Jr.'s Day. Following President George H.W. Bush's 1992 proclamation, the holiday is observed on the third Monday of January each year, near the time of King's birthday. On January 17th, uh, the year 2000, for the first time, Martin Luther King Jr.'s Day was officially observed in all U.S. states. Arizona in 1992, New Hampshire in the year 1999, and Utah in the year 2000, were the last three states that had recognized the holiday. Utah previously celebrated the holiday at the same time, but under the name Human Rights Day. Martin Luther King Jr. was canonized which means is the declaration of a deceased person as an officially recognized saint, saint, especially in the official act of Christian communion, declaring a person worthy of public veneration and entering their name in the canyon catalog of saints or authorized list by Archbishop Timothy Paul of the Holy Christian Orthodox Church on September 9th, 2016 in the Christian Cathedral in Springfield, Massachusetts. His feast day is April 4th, the day of assassination. King is honored with a lesser feast on the liturgical calendar on the Epsaco Church in the United States of America on April 4th or January 15th. And again, you can go on to Wikipedia to find out all sorts of information there on Martin Luther King Jr. Um, under awards and recognition, King was awarded at least 50 honor, honorary degrees from colleges and university. This is on October 14th, 1964. King became the 
at the time youngest winner of the Nobel Peace Prize, which was awarded for him for leading nonviolent residents to racial prejudice in the U.S. Says in the year 1965, he was awarded the American Liberties Medallion of the American Jewish Committee for exceptional advancement of the principles of human liberty. In his acceptance remarks, King said, freedom is one thing. You have it all or you are not free. Again, that is some information on the late Martin Luther King Jr. For this uh, week's, uh, as we remember his um, holiday uh, this past Monday, uh, Quite a great leader. I mean, he. Granted, there's a lot of stuff that's still happening today that happened back in his time in the 50s and in the 60s regarding race uh, amongst uh, black people, um, whatnot. And uh, but I feel like in some instances we have come a long way from. segregation amongst foreigners, amongst uh, African-Americans and whatnot, especially in the workforce uh, today. So um, that'll do it for today's celebrity tribute. And uh, looking at the next celebrity tribute, we're going to look at the late football player, I believe he was a football player and commentator, John Madden. He was another individual who had passed away, I think it was sometime last year or beginning of this year. Uh, So we have gone over a lot of uh, uh, celebrities that actually have uh, passed on whatnot, especially the, the late Betty White who would have turned 100 years old this past week. Uh, Quite amazing. So that'll do it for today's Celebrity Tribute. I hope you have a good day and a good rest of the week. And I'll post this onto my timeline. Hopefully you can uh, listen to it, whatnot. And um, again, check out for more podcasts I do on here. Uh, which I'll post on to Facebook uh, for the flashback music track and for the celebrity tribute. Take care.